Welcome to Startup to Stellar, the podcast that teaches entrepreneurs just like you how to lead with your unique strengths and create epic results with your lean team. If you're ready to do more of your genius work while building an inspired workplace where people and profits can soar, you're in the right place. I'm your host, executive leadership coach and Gallup certified strengths practitioner, LaTondra Murray. I'm thrilled that you're joining me. Let's do this. If you want to move from solo to CEO and become a better leader, I absolutely, positively believe that you must start with your strengths as a foundation. Your best, most fulfilling pathway forward will be driven by the things that genuinely interest and energize you. As you may know, I'm on a mission to help women entrepreneurs lead with their strengths, so I really want to start a conversation about talent. So let me begin by sharing a bit of my story. I'm a techie by education and training. I have undergraduate degrees in computer science and electrical engineering from Spelman College and Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I was a dual degree student for undergrad. And by the time I was ready to go to grad school, I knew that I wanted to make a pivot towards people. And that doesn't mean away from technology, but I just realized how important it was for me to bring the human element into what I was doing. And so I made a shift into ergonomics for my graduate work. And so my doctorate is in industrial engineering. I focused on cognitive ergonomics and user interface design. And the whole goal there for me in that work was to bridge people and information so that I could make whatever they were doing, whatever product or service or software or whatever it was that they were working with, consumable and relevant. Kind of like taking something really big and broad and making it bite-sized and easily digestible and intuitive. And so it's interesting because I think that was my first move towards applying strengths in my own life. And I didn't know to call it strengths at the time. I just knew that as an electrical engineering major at Georgia Tech, I had this nightmare that I was going to be somewhere in a back room soldering two wires together for the rest of my life. And it was at that point I said, hey, what if I could marry the two? It's so funny. I remember doing an interview where I, I said I wanted to marry Moliere and microchips. I don't know that it gets nerdier than that. <laughs> but I wanted to really take tech and just make it relevant for the people who use that technology. And so that was the first time that I was really bridging my strategic thinking themes and my relationship building themes to use a Clifton Strengths context, that was my first opportunity to bring those two things together. And so part of what I really do now as a leadership coach is to help people gain knowledge about their strengths and then to make that information relevant and consumable and applicable in a way that allows them to shine in their businesses. So that was the first nod towards really leaning into my strengths, even though I didn't know it at the time. I'm so passionate about strengths because it's really a way to show up as yourself and do more of what you love and less of what you hate. And when you release the things that you don't like, you create space to do what you do as only you can do it. 
And the other upside here that I think people often forget, and I think it's a little bit of an epiphany, and I want to make sure that you hear this, is that when you release something that you don't like, there's someone else who loves it. There is someone else who loves the thing that just does not float your boat. There is someone in the world who is waiting for an opportunity to do that thing. So sometimes I think we have guilt around not liking certain things or wishing that we enjoyed them more than we do. But again, our win is to do what we do well and what we enjoy and what adds value and then to let other people do the same. And so in some ways, when you hold on to stuff that you dislike, you're actually robbing someone else of an opportunity to lean into their talents, to use their strengths. So I want to encourage you to think about it that way. I think it's a really interesting way to allow yourself to loosen your grip on things that you don't really want to do to begin with. So what are strengths? Let's recap and and take a step back and talk about that. Strengths are your natural talents. They're the things that you organically know how to do or have an affinity for doing. Ideally, our strengths serve us, but at the root, they are neutral. And so we can use strengths, it's funny, we can use strengths to help us or to hinder us. We've got to be really intentional about using our talents to our advantage, using our talents to create positive, desirable outcomes for ourselves. One way that you can get clearer about your strengths is to apply what I call the CEO method. And I think this is particularly relevant for entrepreneurs. Business owners need to do this work. And I think so often it's a step that entrepreneurs try to skip, right? Try to push through. But the CEO method has three steps. Clarify, explore, and optimize. Clarify, explore, and optimize. You see what I did there with this whole CEO thing? So the first step, clarify your strengths. That's all about getting clear about what you do best. Identifying your strengths and being honest and open about how they show up for you. And I think here one of the most important things is actually making a decision to view your strengths as strengths. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with clients where they want to get into an argument with me low-key about whether their talents are actually strengths. Well, is this really helpful or not? Is this really valuable for entrepreneurs or not? And there's this tendency to want to drop talent into a very fixed bucket that says, well, successful business owners have these themes, and if I don't have these themes, then I can't thrive. And that's not at all true. We get blinded by the strengths of other people versus leaning into what we have in our own toolkits. And so, yeah, you got to view what you got in your toolkit as being an advantage for you once you know how to leverage those behaviors in a way that can move you forward. Again, first step is clarify. Clarify your strengths. The second step for the CEO method is to explore your talents. Again, do you have hangups about the things that you do well? Are you judgy about the things that are in your repertoire? Do you have strengths envy, what I call strengths envy, right? That's where you have your own strengths, but then you look at the strengths of someone else and you're like, oh, I wish I had that, or I wish I had this. 
or I wish I had the other <laughs> versus saying, okay, this is what I have in my toolkit and this is how I can use it to create the outcomes that I want to create. I want to encourage you during this exploration phase to really think about how your talents have served you and shaped your success. How have your talents tripped you up in the past or maybe impeded your progress? It's all about unpacking and reflecting on your talents and how they have moved you forward or inhibited you to date. The third step of the CEO method is to optimize. And here you want to optimize your gifts. How can you apply your strengths for the greatest benefit to yield and create the greatest impact for yourself, your clients, and your team? How can you creatively do more of what you're uniquely equipped to do? And then how can you release the activities that really aren't in your wheelhouse so that you can work in your genius and allow other people to perform and contribute and to excel in their lane? So that's the CEO method, clarify, explore, and optimize. I think it's important that once you get on the other side of this process of really examining your strengths, at a very close level, I think it's important to recognize that you may be good at things you despise. And I think that's a little mind-blowing at times, right? It's like, how can I be good at this thing that I don't like doing? <laughs> but I think that we are conditioned from a societal perspective. And I think, I certainly think I've seen this in myself and in women entrepreneurs that I've worked with as clients there's this thought of, well, I'm good at it, so I must, it must mean that I'm meant to do it. And that's not at all true. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean you enjoy it. And it doesn't mean that you've got to commit to doing it forever, ever. So I really want to be clear on that. Hey there, if you're enjoying Startup to Stellar, be sure to rate, review, follow, and share. I also invite you to check out my CEO style quiz at startuptostellar.co slash quiz. In just three minutes, you can learn how to use your distinct approach to leadership for more impact, influence, and income. That's startuptostellar.co slash quiz. Okay, now back to the show. If you're a newer entrepreneur, your strengths may really feel muddled. And it, it's in part because you are likely doing all the things. Seriously, what lights you up might get a little lost. And that's okay. It may take you some time to kind of sort things out. But you don't always have the opportunity to pick and choose in the beginning. It doesn't mean that you can't pay attention. So even if you are a solopreneur at this point in your business you can pay attention to the things that energize you. You can make note of the things that drain you. You can create a prioritized list of the things that you want to outsource when you have the opportunity to do so, or the things that you want to do more of when you have the opportunity to pull that lever. Being a solopreneur is no excuse, frankly, for not being attentive and tuned in and aligned with your strengths. Even before you hire, I think it's really important to understand where you are relative to your natural gifts and how they're showing up and how you want them to show up. How in the world can you bring the right people into your business if you don't have clarity about yourself and how you want to do work? 
Let's talk a little bit about what you may have experienced in terms of your strengths in hiring. There may be those of you who are thinking, look, I've tried to hire before and it hasn't gone well. And so this whole strengths alignment thing is just not, it's not working. It's not working for me. First and foremost, I want to say the Clifton Strengths assessment is not what we call a selection instrument. I never want to encourage anyone to have candidates potentially take the strengths assessment and then use that as a decision-making tool around hiring. There are specific Gallup instruments that can be used for that purpose. Clifton Strengths is not one of them. Clifton Strengths gives you opportunities to understand how you might develop the people you hire, how you might relate to the people that you hire, how they might relate to you. It's an information source. It's a data source for you. If you've hired before and it hasn't worked, from a strengths perspective, you might not be clear about what you really enjoy doing and what lights you up. And so, again, I think that's a the first place to start, right? Like how in the world can you bring other people on if you're not clear about what you enjoy and what you want to do more or less of? If it hasn't worked in the past, it might be because you're unclear about your own strengths. You also might be drawn to people who are just like you. It's what I like to call the mini me syndrome. I encounter so many clients who say, well, I hired someone and we had so much in common and it just didn't work out. And it's not that you can't connect with people that you hire. It's not that you can't have common interests or common experiences or shared skill sets. But when you replicate yourself, you actually get in the way of your ability to release the things that you're not great at doing. If someone is exactly like you, they may not be in a position to do those things either. You've just essentially created a more complex situation where you don't gain any freedom to do more of the things you love. And the other person you've engaged may feel like they're in your shadow somewhat because they don't have a unique lane to stand in themselves. You know, again, if hiring hasn't worked, I want you to think about how clear you were about your strengths, but then also what was the draw to the individuals that you hired? Was it because you had a great conversation and you thought they were cool? Was it because they really aligned in terms of skills and experiences with what you needed? Were you even clear on what you needed? I think those are all good questions to consider. If you haven't hired yet, strengths may be playing a role there as well. One of the things that I often see with clients is that they're afraid of getting it wrong. Business owners aren't always trained in leadership. In fact, many are figuring it out as they go along. I think it's, it's unusual to have entrepreneurs who major in leadership as a foundation for how they'll create and provide development to their teams. I think it's something that a lot of business owners pick up along the way. And so there's a fear of getting it wrong. And so what happens is there's a hesitation to release activities and assignments and tasks. (laughs) It's funny, I hear business owners say all the time, I'm gonna get my house in order before I hire. It's almost like the analogy that comes to mind for me is it's like cleaning the house before you have a housekeeper come in. Because you don't want the housekeeper to see your mess. You don't want a team that's going to come in and get your kitchen together to see 
dirty dishes in the sink or whatever, right? And so even though people can come in and help you, there is a resistance to being viewed as flawed or imperfect or frankly jacked up in some way, especially when it comes to running a business. And so people will hesitate and they'll wait and they'll hold off. Oh, I'll hire when or I'll hire once. And meanwhile, they're holding on to all of these responsibilities that may or may not align with their strengths. And so showing up really poorly in some areas and maybe being better off in others, but again, holding all of the cards, holding all of it on their own shoulders and really saying, look, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to do it myself and doing all the things themselves in this place of weakening your ability to show up and shine because you get all the things. You know, I really just want you to think about either what's holding you back from moving forward when it comes to strengths and hiring or what is keeping you from getting back out there if you've had a failed experience or an experience that was less than desirable in terms of how it turned out. Focusing on your zone of genius is a win for everyone. It's a win for you, for your team, and that means a team that you currently have or a future team that you may assemble and bring on board. And most importantly, it's a win for your clients. When you have the chance to serve your clients from your most centered, knowledgeable, abundant place of expertise, you can create results with that client that exceed what others could create. You establish a foundation, a rapport, you expand an opportunity with those that you serve in a way that just can't be replicated. And so who doesn't want more of that? Who doesn't want more of that? So just know that it seems like, oh, to win, I need to do everything. But actually to win, you need to stay in your zone, your lane, your particular positioning relative to your strengths. I've led with my strengths throughout my life, sometimes knowingly, sometimes without really realizing it. I was in corporate America for many, many years, almost 12 years. At one point during my experience, I worked as an operations manager and I supported a vice president who had a broad set of responsibilities across a business unit of about 3,000 people. And I can remember talking with her. I used to have these morning meetings with her and her assistant where we reviewed the calendar 30 days out and made some decisions about what was going to happen or not. And I can remember at one point she said to me, oh, you really just need to toughen up. If you really want to be an impactful, relevant leader, you've got to toughen up. And I can remember in that moment, one, having a reaction feeling like, initially at least, like I was unworthy to lead. Like I didn't have what it was going to take. The reframe for me, without even realizing that it was a reframe, I think at that time, my knowledge of just my own personal development was limited. But I remember thinking to myself, well, what if I don't have to toughen up and be essentially like her, which is what she was saying. You need to you need to act and move and navigate and engage like I do if you want to succeed. 
And the question I asked myself was, well, what if I don't have to do that? What if I could show up as myself and create the same effect, the same outcome? And I just made a decision in that moment. I can remember thinking about it, you know, probably for a week or so after the comments were initially shared with me. But I remember at the end of that reflection in that moment thinking, no, I'm going to do it my way. And I get more flies with honey than vinegar just because of who I am. And so I'm very relational. That was my first glimpse into my relationship building themes as being a core part of how I would engage with other people, partner, collaborate, but also lead and manage the teams that I ultimately went on to manage in the corporate space as well as in the university space. I had to make a decision that I was going to be myself, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. Think about what feels most natural for you. Think about what feels most authentic and think about what's possible when you lean into yourself versus trying to mimic someone as, as an alternative approach. So that was, again, my first real opportunity to think about how my relational strengths could serve me in a way that was different than the more coercive, directive strengths that my manager had at the time. Another example, I think, really relates to entrepreneurship. And so, again, for me, I have a very affiliative, relationship-driven style that focuses on teaching and developing others. Those are actually my top strengths. I'm a learner. I love to teach. I'm a, I have developer as one of my top Clifton Strengths themes. I love to identify and amplify potential in other people. And so the more I have an opportunity to do those things the more traction I've gained in my business, the more opportunity I've identified just in other creative ways. I've been able to create my own classrooms. I've been able to develop my own programs. But it's been because I've said with intention, hey, I love the idea of doing these things. How can I do more of this and serve the people that I know will benefit? from this information and from from this content and who want to proactively be themselves and commit to that process. How can I do that? So it's interesting when I think about my experience as a corporate employee, when I think about my role as an entrepreneur, also as an educator, the best, most powerful things that I have done and continue to do really show up when I'm leaning into my strengths. So it's a, it's a powerful example of how your strengths at work can really validate your direction, can increase your confidence, can give you more clarity around how you can really drive transformation for your clients and the, the other people that you serve. I want to make sure, too, that we talk about capacity versus kind of commitment. What I mean by that is just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should be the person to do it. Just because you're capable of doing something doesn't mean that you're the one who needs to commit to making it happen. And I think many entrepreneurs get pulled into a trap where they keep doing the things they've always done because they just simply don't know how to surrender and release it. Surrender will open opportunities for you to do more of the work you're meant to do. 
you know, we mess around and we hold on to almost piddly things. Uh, you know, you may be able to think of some examples in your own life of things that you could really give up. But we hold on to things that we don't even necessarily do that well. If you think about it, there are telltale signs that it's okay to let something go. Those signs include feelings of mediocrity, boredom, lack of energy, procrastination. What are the things that you hate doing? What are the things that you put off into the last minute? What do you kind of like slog through and think, hey, this is good enough? There are clues around you if you open your eyes to look for them. And even if you're not sure, pay attention to your energy. Do a mini analysis of your energy over a, a week. Keep a log. What makes you feel really good and excited? What makes you wish you could kind of low-key hit yourself in the head with a brick? What's lifting you up versus pulling you down? The, the clues are there. The clues are there if you open your eyes. Leading with your strengths can be simple. It's not always easy. And sometimes we really think and question whether our talents are truly valued by other people. I want to assert, though, that the value begins within. The value begins with you. Are you dismissive of your strengths? Do you wish that you had other capabilities and spend more time, you know, lamenting about what you don't have versus celebrating what you do have? Your mindset about your strengths is everything. Pay attention to how your strengths show up for you. It is absolutely a trap to expect your talents to look like someone else's. We ideally want to figure out how our strengths fit, like a custom suit or a tailored blouse. Our understanding of ourselves is so critically important, especially if we want to understand and develop others. An understanding of ourselves is an essential part of becoming an incredible leader. Thanks for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Startup to Stellar. If you did, please remember to rate, review, follow, and share. For the show notes and other helpful resources, head over to startuptostellar.co slash podcast. I'm Latondra Murray. Join me again next time on Startup to Stellar, where amazing leadership looks like you.